Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. Uh, This sermon this week was preached by Pastor Kim Peterson. It was a fantastic sermon all about death and resurrection and how uh, through the pathway of death, God brings about new life um, to us and to the world. So I hope you enjoy Pastor Kim's message this week. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and God's beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, raise your hand if you are a gardener, like you have a garden. Excellent. How many of you are not exactly gardeners, but you can, like, manage to keep a fern alive? All right. How many of you just kill any plant you touch? Excellent. You are my people. Because me too, my worst moment in high school biology was when Mrs. Schultz told us that in order to pass the class, we had to keep a plant alive for an entire quarter. It was an awful nightmare. When I helped with VBS this summer, Sarah Harris gave me a succulent as a thank you, and at this point I had planned on whipping it out and showing to you how even though it's a succulent, which is like the easiest thing to keep alive, I'd almost killed it, but Appropriately enough, as I was editing my sermon, I managed to knock it off my desk, break the pot, and so now it is officially dead. Sorry, Sarah. So, gardening is not my strong point, but I do know a few things, at least in theory. For example, I managed to convince my father to compost because composting is good for plants, right? And now he is all about it. Sort of. By which I mean that he does it in his own way, which is not actually composting at all. (laughs) Instead, my dad takes all of the old fruits and veggies from their kitchen, dumps them in a hole in the ground, and calls it good. And as it turns out, that's not actually how composting is supposed to work. And so every year, there's the official garden, and then there's the compost pit, which every year is a total surprise. One year, it grows potatoes. The next year they get squash or pumpkin. It is an exciting adventure to see what rises out of the ground. But the minor miracle is, despite the total lack of care, something does grow each year. Somehow these little seeds from rotting vegetables survive without any care at all and transform from something rotten and dead into something alive and something that provides nourishment. My parents just never quite know what it's going to be. And nature is full of examples like the, of that, right? Like leaves fall, trees seem to die. In a few weeks, hopefully, they'll start budding. They come back to life. Circle of life and all that, right? That's how things work. Nature shows us death and rebirth, death and rebirth over and over again. So what about us? In his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul is answering that very question, and he says, But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And Paul, perhaps not always the gentlest of souls, replies, fool. What you sow does not come to life until it dies. And he continues, 
For God gives it a body as God has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body, and so it is with the resurrection of the dead. And lest we be too quick to agree with Paul about how foolish those Corinthians are, I want to cut them some slack. It's not surprising that they didn't quite understand what was up with this whole resurrection thing, because while it wasn't a new concept, the Pharisees believed in it and some others, for a church in Corinth, in Greece, it may have been a confusing concept, because for the most part, ancient belief in the afterlife involved you wandering around after death as a shadow in a place that wasn't terrible, but wasn't great either. And so people were looking at this promise of resurrection and were confused about what it actually meant. Like, are the dead coming back, like, tomorrow? Is it resurrection the day that Jesus, or the way that Jesus was resurrected, where you'll come back with the wounds that were inflicted upon you and then disappear into heaven? Is it resurrection, like zombie apocalypse? Like, what is happening? What does it mean? And so Paul responds with this. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and raised in power. It is sown a physical body, it is raised a spiritual body, and if there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body, crystal clear, right? I'm not quite sure that that's the answer for which the good people of Corinth were hoping I probably would have heard all of that and then made a face and raised my hand and been like, so, zombie apocalypse, yes or no? Because it's not crystal clear. And how could it be, right? Because what happens after death is not entirely clear. So I can't say that Paul's answer exactly provides clarity, but what it does give me is hope. Hope that just like a seed dies and seems lifeless, we too will be reborn We don't know how we might look the same, we might not, but we know that all of the things that we face in our lives on earth, perishability, dishonor, weakness, our physical shortcomings, all of those things will be and are being transformed by God's saving grace, by Christ's life, death, and resurrection. So resurrection, no matter what it looks like, sounds great to me, but the dying part, that doesn't sound as good. How many of us have had a friend or a relative who is at the end of their life and just seems to keep keep clinging on to life, who perhaps waits until a particular loved one arrives, who waits until one of us gives them permission, until one of us says, it's okay, it's okay to let go, it's okay to die. Death is not always easy, and it's certainly not easy to let those that we love die. But although, like the church of Corinth, we aren't exactly sure how this resurrection thing is going to play out, we know that we can trust in God, and we know that we also rest in the hope of new life. And so that's great news for us. But it is important to remember that Christ didn't come and live and die only for the sake of what happens to us after we're dead. Christ's redeeming work starts now. It starts during our own lives. And so the good news for us is also this. Just as God is able to resurrect a physical body, God is able to resurrect other parts of our lives as well. 
But resurrection occurs after death, not before. And so sometimes this means that we have to surrender those things first. Sometimes we have to let the vegetables rot. Sometimes we have to allow parts of ourselves or parts of our lives to die. And so my question for you this morning is this, what might there be in your life that you need to allow to die so that God can resurrect it? What is there in your life that you might need to allow to die so that God can resurrect it? There are lots of possibilities. Maybe what we need to let die is something to which we've been clinging so tightly, something that we hold on to because we simply aren't willing to trust God with the outcome. Maybe it's our need for control. That one's mine. Maybe it's our perfectionism also mine. Guilt, fear of what the future holds. Maybe it's our anger at a particular person or an event, anger that might be justified, but that we need to let go, to let it die so that we can fully live. What is it for you? Maybe we need to let something die so that a relationship can heal, a grudge maybe, a long-standing argument. Maybe it's the need to always be right. Maybe it's a former part of your life, something that you used to have or used to be. Maybe it's something that your body used to be able to do but can't anymore. It might be a goal. It might be a dream. I wish that we could say that we lived in a Disney princess movie where dreams always work out and come true and woodland creatures periodically show up and clean your house. But sometimes they don't. And if you cling to a dream that's not for you, then the reality is you might miss an even better calling that God has for you. God can take goals and dreams that have died and resurrect them, creating new and better things for you, things that look radically different from what you started with. doesn't mean that things will be easy along the way or that there's not pain involved, but as Christians, we place our trust in a story that moves again and again from death to life, from weakness to power, from dishonor to glory. So friends, what are you called to let go of? What are you called to give up or to give into or to change? I invite you to pray about it. I invite you to ask God what needs to be resurrected in your own life, in your own walk of discipleship. It's hard when it's something you love or something that you're invested in, Letting something die isn't easy, but it is part of life. And if that was the whole story, if we simply returned to dust, then the sermon would end and we would all pass the Kleenex around, right? But it's not, because God has redeemed our story. We are called to trust God even if we don't know exactly what is going to happen. Because if God can raise the dead and turn seeds into flowers, turn compost into cucumbers then God is capable of resurrecting, reforming, and redeeming the dead and the withered parts of our lives here on earth as well. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.